2: Now on to the interview with Hugh Hewitt. Welcome back, America. I'm Hugh Hewitt standing by for Virginia Governor Glenn Youngkin. Uh, joined now by the governor. Good morning, Governor. Welcome.
3: Hey, good morning, Hugh. Thank you for having me. I always, always look forward to our time together. So thanks for having me back.
2: I am. It's the first time we've chatted since you become governor. And I do have a lot of questions, but I want to begin with first. Is it fun? Yes.
3: <laughs> yes is the short answer. And we've been sent here by Virginians to get a job done. And I, I feel incredibly encouraged to get that job done. And yes, it's fun.
2: Every successful governor I know enjoys being a governor. And so that's that's important for me to know. Now to the controversial stuff. The mask uh, executive order, which does not mandate children not mask, but gives the parents the right to have their children masked or not, has been met with some resistance and you have uh, you have put out a tweet which i want to read to people while the legal process continues on the parental opt-out of mass mandates for their children in schools i urge everyone to love your neighbor to listen to school principals, and to trust the legal process i am a proverbs fifteen one guy governor a gentle uh, uh, answer turns away wrath but a harsh word stirs up anger i thus applause for your tweet, but what do you think about what some of these school districts are doing?
3: Well, I think it is absolutely uh, consistent with their behavior over the last number of years where they've ignored parents' rights. And of course, I want to say thank you to the school systems that are recognizing parents' rights. And in Virginia, in our code, law is a very clear statement that parents have a fundamental right to make decisions with regards to their children's upbringing, education, and care. It is part of Virginia's code. And therefore, these school districts that have been ignoring Virginia's rights are absolutely in contravention with the Virginia code. This is why our executive order has such great grounding. And this is why those school systems that are recognizing the rights of parents today, I say thank you. And there's a legal process that's going to work its way through that will clarify this um, in all respects. And at the end of the day, I ask everybody to to love your neighbor and parents, teachers, administrators, everybody, let's just recognize that this is a moment for us to do what's right for the kids. And what's right for the kids is to let their parents make decisions for them.
2: Now, Governor, I have in front of me the Loudoun County Public Schools uh, announcement over the weekend by Scott Ziegler. In which it is pre- it is clear that they are using punitive measures against students who unmask by arbitrarily increasing the quarantine for those students who come down with COVID who do not mask to 10 days which is not cdc guidance nor virginia department of education guidance it's punitive and i do not believe they're alone i think maybe virginia beach did this as well but i know Loudoun county did it what do you make of school districts that are acting in a punitive way pretending to comply with your executive order but increasing the significant cost for children who do not wear masks.
3: Yeah, we're going to continue to go fight for, for parents and their kids. And so this is one of the reasons why I called for Attorney General Meares to investigate the Loudoun County School Board. I think the decisions that they have made, where they, in fact, decided to not tell parents about a sexual assault, to actually um, in, uh, in a very, very opaque way, move a child around school systems, um, are reflective of the fact that they do not respect parents, and they, in fact, want to try to use their position uh, in a punitive way when people don't agree with them, and that is so wrong. And so we're going to go fight for parents, and we're going to make sure that children have the ability to be in school, to be in school when they're complying with the law, which is what our executive order upholds. And we're going to continue to fight for parents.
2: Now, Governor, I had an exchange over the weekend with Jim Sciuto, a very smart guy who anchors on CNN, very smart guy, friend of mine. And he is reflective of the Beltway mindset of risk aversion, very anti the England-Texas model, which you have adopted, parental choice. You've lived in the Beltway much longer than I have. I, I was there in the 80s, and I'm back now. Do you think that the Beltway has any idea what parents actually think outside of the deep blue suburbs of Virginia and Maryland?
3: Well, I believe that it that the beltway mindset that you describe which by the way isn't everybody in northern virginia as we saw in this in this most recent election where Agreed. we had record, we had record support from northern virginia for for our win but it reflects the fact that that virginia had gone the wrong direction i mean we were one of 16 states around the nation to have a statewide mask requirement and we're seeing states revisit this across the country including New York is reevaluating their mask mandates in schools i mean this this is an absolute reflection of the fact that parents have rights they're standing up for those rights and they need elected officials like me and our lieutenant governor and our attorney general and the majority uh, in the house of delegates that they elected to go to work to protect them and this is what we're going to do and i do believe That we in fact are going to prevail here. The legal process is going to take a little bit of time. We've asked it to be expedited, but we're going to be patient. And I believe firmly that we will prevail here.
2: And Governor, when school districts resist by other means, if they, if I think you're going to win too. It's pretty clear to me uh, that the executive order will be upheld. But you've been, you're doing this the right way. Be patient. Don't yell at principals. Send your kids to school. But when Loudoun County says, but we will punish your kids with a higher quarantine, which has got absolutely no basis in fact, and I think there are lots of practices all over Virginia in school districts that have no basis in fact, will you continue to monitor and correct when school districts punish parents who want to, once vindicated, follow the uh, freedom that your executive order returns to them? You bet.
3: Absolutely. And we've, we've established an email address, particularly for parents to, to send us concerns. It's helpeducation at gov. And again, it's helpeducation at gov. And we're asking for parents or anybody else, teachers or anybody else around the school system who wants to communicate with us directly and raise issues to send it to us.
2: I, I hope people... It's really
3: important for parents to have a voice, and we're giving them one.
2: I hope parents use that, and I hope that they follow the Proverbs 15.1 advice, which is a soft word, turns away anger, uh, and a harsh word, brings it on. Now, a couple other things. Have you received advice from other governors yet, like Doug Ducey at the NGA or the RGA, and other, you know, Mike DeWine, I'm, I'm a big fan of Mike DeWine, I'm a big fan of Ron DeSantis. Any of these governors called you out and chatted with you? Absolutely. It's been a
3: great support network, and what we're seeing, of course, is... States led by Republicans outperforming states led by Democrats. It's just that clear, and I have so enjoyed the the support uh, from governors all over Virginia, all over the country. Excuse me, and uh, it's a great group. And you know what? Being being a first-time uh, elected leader and having that kind of uh, support network is invaluable.
2: Not surprisingly, Mike DeWine stole a march on Ralph Northam and, and Virginia by landing a huge Intel deal to build chips in Ohio last week. And, and governor DeWine did a a victory lap. Are you going to go after the chip business? We got Virginia tech. We've got the capacity. They could build chips in Virginia. Are you talking Intel already? We are
3: absolutely going after the chip business. And there's a great opportunity with extraordinary uh, funding coming out of Washington to support the redomiciling of our chip business Virginia is incredibly well positioned. We have a great technology sector. We have a great workforce. We have space. We're going to have an increasingly business-friendly regulatory framework, and we are going to, go after, we're going to go after these opportunities in a meaningful way.
2: Now, Virginia Tech's new campus is going to be a big deal. Let me turn to Virginia's universities. Free speech on campus is an issue. Are you going to protect it? And by the way, in that Regard, have you had a chance to sit down with Winsome Sears yet and discuss how she can best support you? You've got a great political asset there, but the, the duties of a lieutenant governor are often vague, if any, uh, and she might be useful in the higher education context in preserving free speech on campus.
3: Well, first of all, you bet, and lieutenant governor and I speak frequently, and we have a very, very close relationship, um, as we do with, with Attorney General Meares, who I deeply respect as well. We have a great statewide leadership team and I'm very encouraged by the opportunity for all of us to work together and you know listen, Lieutenant Governor Earl Sears is extraordinary um, and oh by the way you may have noticed that this past week when we announced our chief diversity opportunity and inclusion officer that in fact we asked her to stand up for freedom of speech to make sure that everybody has a voice uh, including on our college campuses and that's one of her um, distinct roles I have an ongoing conversation with all of our university presidents uh, across Virginia. I was encouraged that, in fact, they, they immediately uh, reacted to our uh, change in requiring vaccinations for employees uh, across, across the university system. And now I'm asking them to do the same for students. Um, and so this is, this is a big step for us to, to change sentiment. And I think that Virginia is going to lead the way here. You know, we're going, we, we, have a, we have a big change in front of everybody from what was a very, very top-down mandate-oriented Virginia to one that respects the rights of parents, of individuals to make decisions. And we're watching it change real time, and I am so excited about it.
2: So, Governor, last couple of questions have to do with your your relationship with the legislature. You want to get rid of the grocery tax, lower the gas tax. You've got a lot of tax proposals. You're going to have to get at least one Democratic vote in the state Senate. Do you think you can? Yes,
3: and I think we can. We can do better than one in many, many circumstances. You know, I think there's a real recognition from speaking with many leaders in the uh, in the Democrat caucus in the Senate, but also in the Democrat caucus in our House of Delegates that lowering taxes and reinvigorating excellence in our schools and And making our communities safe and getting a Virginia economy that is absolutely rip-roaring as opposed to stalled and making a government work for Virginians, these aren't partisan issues, they're bipartisan issues. And I've been really encouraged by the, the real expressions of support, particularly across areas like tax cuts and charter schools. Governor uh, these are going to be these are going to be big areas that we're going to get done here in this legislative session.
2: Very last question, when President Trump arrived as a change agent, I don't believe there's a deep state that exists in Turkey and authoritarian countries, but we do have an administrative state that preserves and protects their prerogatives and tries to expand their power and slow rolls Republicans. Have you run into that? Do you think the Virginia bureaucracy will comply unlike Loudoun schools? Uh, do you think the Virginia state employees are gonna get with the program?
3: Well, the reception so far in, in uh, the first week has been incredibly good. And I just continue to believe that some of this is just all about leadership. Um, now, with that said, uh, there's a, there is a large number of people that work for the Commonwealth of Virginia across the in- entire state. And so we've got to make sure they understand exactly where we're going and how we're gonna get there. And uh, I've been encouraged so far. Listen. This is not something that you leave you leave to chance. Uh, leadership matters. We have a great cabinet that we have put in place. Uh, we are reviewing every every single agency head, and we've got great folks we put in place so far. But we continue to run through that process, and we're just going to make sure that we have great leadership across the entire government system. And uh, I look forward to pressing forward with our day one agenda. Change is not easy, and it requires consistent effort. It requires consistent reinforcement in order to make the change we've been sent here to do. But let me tell you, we are up to the task, and I look forward to getting it done.
2: Governor, keep coming back. Our best regards to the First Lady of the Commonwealth, and thank you for joining us, Governor Glenn Youngkin. Of the Commonwealth of Virginia, now in the race, along with Ohio and Florida and other free states, for the growth that is out there. If you go and get it, don't go anywhere, America. I'll be right back with Senator Ben Sass of Nebraska. Welcome back America I'm Hugh Hewitt, joined now by United States Senator from Nebraska Ben Sass Senator Sass welcome back Thank you Hugh good to be here When will uh, football return to Nebraska
1: Oh man now we're going to have to talk eschatology <laughs> I think <this> already <laughs> and not
2: yet Already all right that was that was funny that was quick senator All right let's go immediately I was on Fox News uh Fox News special report with Brett Baer after one of the worst press conferences for national security in the history of america it's up there with dean Acheson's speech at the press club and and april gillespie's meeting with saddam hussein uh, and i know you took exception to quote minor incursion being uttered by president biden why
1: well let, let's distinguish between uh, the first part and the second part of your question because they're both horrible um the second part is about foreign policy and u.s national security proper But the former part about the press conference is it it really just does feel like the administration has gone completely detached from reality. We have a guy in the Oval Office who ran for office as one thing, and that guy is not the guy who's now in the Oval Office. I mean, we've got junior president Ron Klain spending all day on Twitter, sniffing the fumes of the progressive echo chamber. And then just fills the president's teleprompter with rage addicted stuff from far, far, far left people that are representative of like half of one percent of the country. And so I, I think that the way you can get to a place where he says things as insanely um, unreasonable as what he said about a minor incursion in Ukraine is the center of gravity in the administration is far left domestic political Twitter. And then later they get around to figuring out what their policy positions are. So obviously there's no such thing as a minor incursion into Ukraine. We're seeing the undoing, not the complete undoing, but, you know, the the beginning of an unraveling of 60 or 70 years of Western uh, European history um, where there was stability in a place that used to know lots and lots of war. And if Putin thinks he can just steal a country and there are no consequences for that, That doesn't stop after that. Putin is not weaker. He's stronger after that move. And the administration seems to not even have half a chess move, let alone two or three chess moves
2: in mind. Two specific questions, Senator. Should the United States equip Ukraine with land-to-sea cruise missiles? Because the Russian Navy is bearing down on
1: it. Yes, and broader. We we should be equipping the Ukrainians uh, much more rapidly and in a much more uh, full theater way, and we should be allowing all of their and our allies to do it. And the problem we face now is that the administration is so many months late to this conversation that you have Germany essentially working um, on behalf of the Russians to block uh, different systems and weapons, and nobody knows who's leading any of the alliances right now because the Biden administration has gone so vacuous.
2: That was my second question has Germany effectively left NATO? And I am deadly serious. If they are preventing overflights of British supplies to Ukraine and they're refusing to allow the Baltic states to send the mortars that Germany sold them to Ukraine, they are effectively returning to the, to the position of Central Europe arbitrator uh, between Russia and the West. They have left NATO, I believe.
1: It it certainly feels in a de facto way, maybe not a de jure way, but in a de facto way, it feels like Germany has tried to move to a pre-NATO time in history. And obviously that's a terrible time. I mean, the the American people have not been brought along. It's a failure of leadership. Um, We're we're three straight administrations into people undermining NATO. But now we're at a place where NATO clearly isn't what it was and what it should be. And it feels like Germany's acts in the last Uh, days and week uh, sure feel like an an abandonment of NATO
2: in in reality. We will disagree on whether or not Trump was good for NATO, but let me stay focused on, on the crucial moment ahead. The president is threatening not to take Russia out of the SWIFT system because of German pressure. In your view, is that a minimum sanction of a Russian invasion of Ukraine? I think that the
1: I I lean, yes, that it's a minimum sanction. But my only qualification here is that I I think we have to know what a commander in chief's second and third and fourth steps are to know which sanctions um, have a chance of being useful. Because right now, I think Putin felt like he had a lot of cards before the press conference. And since the press conference, I think they're probably doing a lot of uh, inside the Kremlin reassessment of what their uh 2 and 4 year plans are from here because obviously they, they they want a whole bunch of things they want certain uh routes and access to ports and and they want certain economic assets uh they want certain figurehead governments installed But in places where they're not now planning to move, they would still like to see a weakening and an undermining of other governments. Right. So until we have a theory of what our response is to the Russian two and four year plans, I'm not sure what sanctions aren't just going to. Uh, look weak because they'll be ineffective. But yes, the, the one you lay on the table is almost certainly a part of the answer.
2: Very quickly, Senator, did the president open the door for Putin doing more with the minor incursion that he had planned on doing? Is that what you're saying? Yes. Wow. Ben Sass, always a pleasure. And a heck of a quick response from Nebraska football, Senator. You're alert and awake in the morning. I appreciate your being here. Don't go anywhere, America. The Hugh Hewitt Show is now available on TV. That concludes today's episode of The Interview with Hugh Hewitt. Thank you for listening. Make sure you come back and check out all the other podcasts on the Salem Podcast Network. And remember to thank our sponsors, andrewandtodd.com. If you believe in long-form interviews like I do, then do your real estate transactions with Andrew Del Rey and Todd Avakian. I've known both men for a long time. andrewandtodd.com. Go there, answer a couple of questions. They'll tell you what's best to do with your house or call them at 888 1172 You'll be glad you did and you'll be glad that you listened to the next episode of The Interview. Go to SalemNewsChannel.com or download the app.